This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hi, everybody. Brian Kilmeade here. It's going to be a big hour. So much going on. Could this be the hour we find out who the running mate is for Vice President Joe Biden? Interesting, right? Lieutenant Colonel Alan West coming, up with, uh, coming on with us shortly. That's always great. But I'll take a lot of your calls, 1-866-408-7669. Uh, there's a lot of unrest in this country, and there's a lot of physical damage in major cities by inept mayors and police chiefs who have been emasculated by these mayors. And finally, one police chief has uh, stood up. She said, the heck with this. You're cutting me back, cutting my force cutting my responsibilities, cutting my salary. Goodbye, good riddance. I'll tell you about all that and so much more. We'll have a lot of breaking news throughout the show. Uh, and I also want your opinion. If you'd rather write it than, than say it, go to briankillme.com. Just click on comments, and there you go. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. We feel safer here than, than anywhere else, honestly. And, uh, when you go outside of these walls... And you go get food, you go do anything, uh, you're, at, you're at just as much if not more risk. Hey, uh, that is Trevor Lawrence. You might not recognize his voice, but, man, you recognize his play over at Clemson. Might be one of the best players since Peyton Manning as a quarterback to come out of college. Well, he wants to play this year, and he says he's taking action. They want to play college football, and the best player in college football, Trevor Lawrence, uses his fame to push the NCAA to let players have a voice, seemingly about to call it quits without even asking them. He wants them to rethink it. We'll go over his school of thought, and you should know I am firm in his corner. Number two. This was not an organized protest. Rather, this was an incident of pure criminality. This was an act of violence against our police officers and against our city. It's outrageous. Uh, a fine police chief in Dallas. He's hoping to do the job in Chicago, David Brown. I have never seen it so bad from Portland to Seattle to New York uh, and, of course, Chicago. Major cities seeing an extended sense of lawlessness like nothing we have witnessed in modern America. As inexplicable and inexplicably, the march to defund and disarm the police rages from coast to coast. And the first major police resignation, uh, resignation takes place. Are federal agents still to blame in Portland? Still to blame in Chicago? Still to blame in Seattle? No, no, and no. Number one. They're hurting people very badly. This would have been so easy for them to do. How many week weeks have you been negotiating? Like four? They should do something. It would have been so much easier than doing it the way we did it. Now the plan, now that I believe the president's got the upper hand. The president gets the upper hand of the rescue bill bailout as his actions help market the most important, uh, most help the most important people in all this. The people have been hurt by the pandemic. But the bigger question is, will it get Dems back to the table? We'll talk about the coronavirus fight, the new noise from Russia. Apparently, they have a vaccine. Any takers? He says he gave it. Vladimir Putin says, I gave it to my daughter. It works. The market seems to believe it. As I speak right now, it's up 400 points, really up 380, uh, but really on the word that the virus is out and they're giving it to people. They did the uh, control group. They did the fake group. And together they say it works. So not our standard, not the, not the World Health Organization standard. It's the Russian standard. It's their race to establish themselves as 
uh, a major player on, on medicine and in the military. Do you buy it on the coronavirus? Uh, personally, no. I don't trust anything coming out of Russia. There is so much massive unrest in Russia that you don't even hear about, but that's for a different time. So yesterday, we were kind of jarred when the president was giving his update on the coronavirus in America. He got whispered to in his ear, and he left. What was going on? There was a shooting. A 50-year-old got into a stance, said he had a gun, and, of course, the Secret Service shot him in the torso. Maybe he'll recover. Maybe he won't. Don't know. Not that interested. But know this. president was whisked away and brought to the uh, Oval Office, not to any bunker, came back. I think people were disappointed. He came back. They're like, why are you back giving an update? He's like, well, I'm fine. Uh, everybody's fine. It's a school world. is a scary place. Get over it. And the president, cool, calm, and collected when he came back. That is the same attitude he had on disastrous political things like the Access Hollywood tape. Remember, people say he was inexplicably calm. When things get crazy, he gets calm. That is the sign of leaders. It's a sign of great athletes and sign of very strong leaders. So when it comes to the coronavirus and getting you unemployment and maybe providing PPP loans and grants to people who are wondering when they can get their business going again, it's not happening as of yet. But the market responded positively to the president taking action. And even the Washington Post reports that the White House believes, and I don't doubt it, that they now have leverage. Here's Chuck Schumer, cut for Clinging to the hope that the president could do something on his own through executive orders. But as we have seen, executive orders in general aren't going to get the job done, especially the incompetent ones issued over the weekend. Okay, so maybe not too conciliatory. How about this? They don't have to, you have to pay your student loan back till December 31st. How about this? $300 uh, towards supplemental unemployment, $100 asked to by the states. How about this? Uh, We talk about him working with, and this is his weakest of the four, uh, to prevent, he has his staff, Health and Human Services, as well as HUD, working to circumvent any evictions. But what you got to do if you want to help evictions, help the landlords. And then to help the landlords, you got to push back on the banks. Nancy Pelosi, cut five. What we're seeing is illusion. Uh, It's important to enlarge the issue to understand that what the president does is say, I'm doing things to help people, which he isn't. And then the, uh, you know, the stations pick it up and say the president's doing something to help people. And it's all about one thing, the stock market. Yeah, the stations uh, pick it up. All the stations pick it up. What's this, 1980? Is uh, uh, Is Lou Grant my news director? So in the meantime, the president is taking action, and I think it's up to Democrats to go back to the table. Here's where I give Democrats credit. They cut their deal in July. What the Republicans wanted to do in June is said, let's wait. Let's see if we need any more. We're hoping the virus gets stemmed and we can start standing up naturally, not spending money we don't have. That wasn't the case. Also, Mark Meadows is brought into the fray. Real tough guy. You know, he's the Freedom Caucus guy, does not like to spend money we don't have. He came in. Evidently, there was a standoff where he brought his cell phone in. And they said, put your cell phone on the outside. He said, no, I can't. I got important calls. He said, well, get a staffer and have the staffer hold the cell phone outside the door. And he said, no, I need my staffer here to take notes. So 
Mnuchin's realizing they're not going to get this meeting going till this happens. Says, why don't you use my staffer to look at your phone outside the door? And they're able to move forward. So Steve Mnuchin's able to cut some deal with Democrats, and it's a positive. But for a lot of Republicans, they weren't happy. Steve Mnuchin worked with Nancy Pelosi, gave Nancy Pelosi a lot. I'm not sophisticated enough to know how you spend trillions of dollars we don't have responsibly. It seems fundamentally, even by definition, irresponsible. But Mnuchin's going along with the program. He showed up yesterday along with Dr. Scott Atlas to talk about the coronavirus, the funding, as well as the disease. Cut to. And we're prepared to put more money on the table. So where there are things, as I said, that made sense to compromise, we've compromised. So we're not stuck at the trillion dollars, but we're not going to go to unlimited amounts of money to do things that don't make sense. So we'll see where that stands. I would love to see them come together on something, put these executive orders away. Keep in mind, they might ridicule Donald Trump's executive orders, but they're not going to court. Why? Politically not good to go to court to make sure people don't get $300 supplemental. Why, if you want 600 and we all knew it was a disincentive to get back to work, I'm not faulting people, but it's a disincentive to get back to work if you have unemployment plus 600 You've been totally screwed by a pandemic you had nothing to do with. It was not your fault. And now all of a sudden people say, look at this money, stay calm. And you do. And you are. But there are jobs open now people aren't taking there, especially in hospitality, when these restaurants, the ones, the none like New York, that allow indoor dining, which should be allowed indoor dining right now. You're destroying these restaurants for good and the hotel restaurants forever. And maybe the hotels permanently, especially these boutique hotels, don't have the Hilton or Hyatt backing them up. So having said that, they can't get the waiters, waitresses and hostess back. They can't get the bartenders back. So they want to try to do that. And that's it. It's not a pox in anybody's house. It's reality. So what's the other thing I want to talk about? Law and disorder. Three straight months of anarchy in Portland. Yesterday, you could see the video footage with people on the inside. The police union building was burned. People could have died. They could have suffocated. It doesn't matter. They told the federal agents, go away. You're causing problems. It's still happening. Big time in Portland. What a national embarrassment is taking place. Instead, they continue to talk about defunding uh, defunding the police. Listen to this idiot mayor. Instead of saying, man, how do I get a hold of this? Should I use the National Guard? He says this to those who are rioting. Such behavior creates B-roll that the Trump will be used in ads to help him win re-election for his campaign. What? You've had rioters, 16 rioters last year, two police officers hurt last night, countless hurt in the past, federal agents who have been blinded, maybe permanently, by lasers. And after three months of unrest, you're worried about Donald Trump's ad? I have news for you. Joe Biden saying almost nothing. Nobody standing up expressing outrage. These mayors looking inept. These police commissioners like the one in Seattle Carmen Best, who just resigned yesterday, this makes them look terrible. He doesn't need B-roll. It's called watching the news. And what the news is, is you inept, Mayor Wheeler. In Seattle, the city council approved a plan to defund portions of the police department. They want uh, 50 percent. These uh, these idiots, this Kashawana Savant, wants a 50 percent cut in everything. 
She didn't get it and stormed out. But the police chief got her salary cut. They have to lose 100 cut, uh, cops. Uh, they have $400 million cut out of uh, 400. They have a $400 million budget. They cut $3 million out. They told her no more mounted police. They were encouraging her not to use any more tear gas. They also said that you uh, should have public safety. Uh, leave the schools. That's right. There's no more school shootings. So we don't need a police presence in the schools watching for the back of these kids. My goodness, it's not safe to walk the streets, but you should feel safe leaving them in school without any cops to back them up. So Carmen Bester said, that's it, I'm done. She says, it was a difficult decision for me, but when it's time, it's time. I'm confident the department will make through these difficult times. You are truly the best department of the country. You don't believe that, and you don't believe that you've been supported by the council, and you're not going to take a pay cut, and you have pride. That's the same thing that should happen in New York, the same thing that should happen in Chicago if they can't straighten things up. I'll talk about the law and disorder. So this Mayor Lightfoot is the worst, just terrible, and she's arrogant, and she's smug, and she walks around perpetually angry. So with two straight days of looting, they say it's piggybacked off an incident that happened on 2.30 Sunday Chicago time when a they said a 15-year-old unarmed was shot by cops. In reality, it was a 20-year-old criminal with a gun shooting at people. The cops come there. He points the gun at them, and they take him down. He's probably going to survive. They use that to loot the beautiful sections of Chicago. I don't know Chicago too well, but I know when it's not being guarded and 400 cops couldn't do it because thousands took it down. Here's Mayor Lightfoot, cut 10. These were not poor people engaged in petty theft to feed themselves and their families. This was straight up felony criminal conduct. To those who engaged in this criminal behavior, let's be clear. We are coming for you. We are already at work in finding you, and we intend to hold you accountable for your actions. And let's be clear, they're not. Black Lives Matter Chicago uh, not only is not repentant, they are now protesting outside the police station because they want these individuals currently being held in custody released. Really? So you loot, you destroy, you attack, and then you demand that they release them? How dare you? 100 people arrested, 13 cops hurt. This is what's happening in this country. Where is Joe Biden? You know where some of the staffers are? Providing bail money for some of those criminals in Minneapolis so they can get out. Those who have assault, battery, sexual assault, too. These are the Biden staffers. This is a legitimate election issue. This is who you're voting for. Don't think for a second this stops if Joe Biden wins. What Trump is doing, which is smart, is saying, you don't want the federal agents. You made us the target. We'll watch our place, and then we'll watch you try to get your city under control. And in Chicago, in Seattle, in Portland, you have failed. Your call's next. one 408 7669 It's Brian Kilmeade. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. 
It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. These looters act as if there are no consequences to their behavior. And they base that on uh, what happened previously, that we made a lot of arrests during May and June. And not many of those cases were prosecuted to the fullest extent. I agree, uh, 100%. And that is David Brown. He's the Chicago Police Superintendent with a great reputation coming from Dallas. you got to empower these men and women to do their job. I don't understand who these people are that don't want police. Because of a situation where some go overboard, George Floyd being the most extreme example, but others aren't. And what happened is the most vulnerable communities are paying the price. And I'm telling you right now, if you want a legitimate issue— that you, you're tired of politics, you roll your eyes, you don't believe anybody's sincere. You have Joe Biden, and you have Elizabeth Warren, and you have Susan Rice in a cabinet, and you have Eric Holder back. This goes wild. Wild. Do you think this is bad? Trump's holding his powder a little just so people can see what terrible leadership is up close and personal. It's a lack of leadership overall. Trey Gowdy weighed in on what we're seeing in Seattle, New York. Portland and Chicago. In Portland, it was because of the presence of federal law enforcement, so they're gone, but yet you still have the anarchy. And then in Chicago, you have an officer-involved shooting, which, Dana, from all intents and purposes, appears to be a justified shooting in self-defense. And somehow these looters and rioters draw a causal connection that we have a good shoot over here, so let's go break into a bunch of unrelated businesses Lori Lightfoot may think she was clear in her most recent statement, but, Dana, there's been a lot of equivocation over the past three or four months from the leaders of these major cities. So uh, they've been sending mixed messages at best. And meanwhile, those kids got to go back to school. Your kids got to go back to school. Are you comfortable with that? Are you one of the many who decides, I need the homeschooling curriculum I'm taking over because this Zoom stuff does not work, not effective? Uh, let's go to uh, Leslie listening to, on WHIO in beautiful Dayton, Ohio. Hey, Leslie, you're a teacher? Yes. Do you feel Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. 
His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. So precautions to take to make you, or have been taken to make you feel comfortable going back? I'm ready to go back. I um, can't stand teaching online, and I miss my students, and I want to be in the classroom. Um, I understand that it's dangerous, you know, the you know the risk of the coronavirus. But I also remember, you know, over the years, all of the um, school shootings, and I felt more like my life was more at risk going to school and you know not being able to protect myself, not having any. Um, you know, to carry a gun, shoot back at these people that come exactly. in. Exactly. And now what they're doing, yeah. you see what they're doing in Seattle and Portland, hopefully not by you? They're taking the police out of schools. I know. It's, it's ridiculous. I work at a school now where we actually have police officers in our school. And I feel for the first time being a teacher, I feel safe or at least feel like a lot safer. Yeah. And, and we, now, you know, if they're I'm going to have to stop you there, Leslie. Uh, unfortunately, we have retired men and women who are helping out and they surge should there be a problem. And that's a pretty good system. I think parents are comfortable with that. And we're going in a hybrid way in my district. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Dominich, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Dominich Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. This is not an incident that requires the National Guard. Um, In the event that we need additional resources, we will. But we want to make sure that we're prudent um, in the resources that we need. And again, no, we do not need federal troops in Chicago, period, full stop. What a clown. Uh, Mayor Lightfoot, you need everything. You need more cops. You need National Guard and you would need federal agents. But you're not doing any of those three. And the results have been two and a half uh, days of chaos and $60 million worth of property and damage, at least. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, chairman of the Republican Party of Texas, senior fellow at the Media Research Center, former congressman of Florida, author of Hold Texas, Hold the Nation. Colonel, uh, the unrest in Portland, Seattle, uh, Chicago, is uh, is dominating the scene, along with what's happened to New York. I've never seen a major city decline as fast as what I'm witnessing all around me. On Mayor Lightfoot, how can you be that incompetent? Well, I, 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 there is no explanation how someone like the mayor of Chicago can be that incompetent. But you're finding that incompetency all across the United States of America, especially in these Democrat cities. But the thing that we have to come to understand, Brian, you know, this is starting to look like a domestic insurgency. When you are allowing people to utilize uh, Facebook and social media to come up with their plans and plots and organize like this, it's so interesting to me how the social media folks will tell uh, you know, conservatives that, you know, you can't have a rally that talks about, you know, not, you know, obeying stay at home orders and things of this nature. But yet people like Black Lives Matter, who is now they're a Marxist insurgency group, they are, you know, planning their exploits openly on social media, and it's resulting in in death and mayhem and chaos. So something has to be done about this. And this is rising up to a federal level uh, emergency. It is. And now you have Black Lives Matter Chicago indicating that the policing, uh, excuse me, the looting is tantamount to reparations for years of oppression. 
This is insane. Uh, you know, being born and raised down in Georgia, and look, I'm a black man, 59 years of age, born in a blacks-only hospital. And for anyone to say that you should be able to go out and loot and, and rob stores as part of rapor- reparations, that's just criminal behavior. And you cannot put any type of reason uh, or just type of criminal behavior. So, again, this is where the the mayor of Chicago, and we're not even talking about all of the shootings, close to 600 shootings, uh, over, I think, about 120 uh, individuals have been killed in Chicago already. They're not even handling that very well. So I want you to hear Mayor Lightfoot with a very respected superintendent, uh, Brown, from Dallas, who you might know, I'm not sure. Oh, I do know him. I do know him very well. I don't know if he's been allowed to do his job, but listen to this back and forth with the reporter, Cut 12. It almost sounds as though you're saying this is the reason we have it is because the courts and the prosecutors were not doing their job, that they were going too easy on the looters from the last time around. Is, uh, am don't, I don't take you? it from me. Just go by what's been done. I'm just asking I don't, I don't want to do your job for you, but just go by what's been done. There was there were no consequences for and, and, and the Craig, people arrested. Craig, let's be clear. I mean, and don't bait us. I'm not trying to bait you, Mayor. I'm just asking a question that that seems a- ask to an address. Answer. You have another question? Yes, I do. So don't bait us because nobody was prosecuted last time because all these mm-hmm. people were released after getting charged with felonies last time. There's no fear this time. That's a logical question. Well, it is a logical question, and it's a question that also in New York City, with the bail reform that they have had there, where they're just allowing people to be released. It's a logical question in Minneapolis, where you've had these Hollywood stars that you know created this bail fund to get people out of uh, out of jail for the crimes that they committed, the looting and and the felony offenses. So, you know, it, you're absolutely right. That reporter, you know, asked of the police chief. Uh, are you asserting that these people that have been released who previously had these felony uh, issues, now there is Pavlovian, Brian. If you continue to reward bad behavior, you're going to get more bad behavior. So if you're telling folks to go out and do criminal activity, that you're justified in doing criminal activity, and you're releasing them when they do criminal activity, you're going to get more criminal activity. And that's what you see in Chicago. But again, Antifa, Black Lives Matter. These organizations are undermining the law and order of this constitutional republic. And at some point in time, we're going to have to stand up and, and, and face these organizations. You know, Black Lives Matter is not concerned about the issues facing the black community. This is a Marxist, a progressive socialist organization. And, you know, when the leader of Black Lives Matter in New York said, if our demands are met, we're going to burn the system down, this is who they are. And so the choice for the American people in this election cycle, rule of law or the rule of the mob. Let's talk politics in Texas. Uh, the uh, Super PAC has launched to help Joe Biden win Texas. They saw how close Beto O'Rourke got. They saw the influx of so many people to your state, uh, many of which come from blue states. And, and they see some polls that show Biden and Trump close. Uh, what do you know about this Super PAC? How much money is behind it? And mm-hmm. how are you looking to counter it? 
Well, yes, uh, we know about the super PAC that Mr. Biden is going to start down in Texas. Uh, we put out a little note about that because we welcome him to come. As a matter of fact, you know, we live by a very distinct motto that you know very well, come and take it. Uh, we know that Barack Obama, Eric Holder, and Michael Bloomberg are going to dump about $30 million. What they're going to find is that the people in Texas are not going to allow Texas to look like Portland, not like Seattle, not like Chicago, not like any of these other failed blue states where uh, smart people are fleeing from. And I believe that there are going to be enough people that realize that that's what we left. We don't want to see it replicated in Texas. And there's going to be a strong, silent majority that speaks out. And uh, sadly, they will have uh, you know busted and lost 30, maybe $50 million. But you're going to see a, a great outcome in Texas. So when you guys talk, maybe it's behind closed doors, maybe it's not, about the influx of people that both your last two governors have recruited in, in a way, have you created your own problem going into unhappy people, grabbing people from New York, grabbing people from California, unhappy with high taxes and a regulatory environment, and they're bringing some of their political beliefs and ideals to your very red conservative state? That's nothing to do with you, but in a way, did Governor Perry uh, create a problem for you? Well, I don't think it was creating a problem because, you know, you want to go out and, and say to businesses and corporations, you know, come here where we have the right policies. Texas has the 10th largest economy in the world. 10 percent of Fortune 500 business uh, corporate headquarters are there in Texas. The problem is a lot of these corporate leaders that are making the decision to move those corporations to Texas, for whatever reason, they are not talking to their employees. And that's one of the things that I want to do. Uh, individually, you have people leave in California, Illinois. Or New York, New Jersey, that understand uh, why they are they are leaving. But on the other side, you have folks that I guess they believe they're being forced to relocate. Look at Elon Musk. Elon Musk has already said he's moving out of California. He's going. To, uh, he's looking at El Paso. But the important thing is that Elon Musk talk to his employees and say, here's the reason why I made the decision to leave uh, California to come to Texas. Now, don't come to Texas and screw it up, because after Texas, where am I supposed to move my, my business? That's the key uh, conversation we have to have. Gotcha. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, chairman of the Republican Party of Texas, thanks so much. My pleasure. Take care, Brian. All right, go get him. 1-866-408-7669. Texas is going to be tough. Uh, they also want to get some more congressional seats back if the Republicans want to march back and take the House. I haven't heard much of that push. It doesn't seem very organized. Right now, they're focused on holding the Senate and keeping the president in power. We'll see how that goes. Uh, back with your calls in just a moment. You'll listen to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Expanding your knowledge base, it's Brian Kilmeade. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. To just not be doing this show from my garage anymore. It really does. Like, I was so happy coming into work. To be here on stage 56, but 56 is also the number of temperature checks we've all had to pass through to get in here today. So that was James Corden uh, trying to get his feet out uh, underneath him again from uh, these bad uh, late night shows they've been doing to keep everything going. But they've been doing it really from their living room, their garage, their basement, their office. And he went back to studio. I think Jimmy Fallon went back to studio last week. But... 
The reason why I don't play that much late-night stuff now, there's no balance. There's no humor. There's just attacks and almost all of it about Donald Trump. In fact, here's another cut uh, from James Corden's monologue. The White House apparently reached out to South Dakota's governor and asked about the possibility of adding President Trump to Mount Rushmore. Honestly, I get it. I've been thinking about this. I get it. I do. I sort of feel like if I was the president of the United States, what is it harm to ask? Like, I'd ask, what's the worst that can happen? The worst case scenario is you're back in the same place. Do you know what I mean? Best case scenario, someone goes, absolutely. It's very much the way I approach proposing to my wife. If she says no, well, I'm just in the same boat. Oh, that wasn't too bad. Uh, though for sure he did try to kill him on that. No, that's why I pulled it. It was sort of funny. Yeah, so the president, uh, the president actually said he didn't say that, but he does belong up there. It would be nice. Well, exactly, and the joke was inappropriate. Yeah. Hey, uh, in, in college football, today's going to be a big day. The ACC, Big Ten, Big 12, Pac-12, Southeastern Conference, SEC, um, they want to start September 3rd. And now all of a sudden there's this push on the Pac-12 and others to not play football. They say, well, it's too dangerous. The UConn said, well, what am I supposed to do? How do I keep my players away from each other? How do I work it out? Of course there's places to work it out. The NFL is working it out. Why don't you go to NFL training camp and find out if they're working it out? Yeah, there was 27 Louisville players that tested positive, 28. Okay, they're going to get better. They're, unless it's an odd situation where someone has pre-existing conditions they don't know about, they're all going to get back on the field. Just like somebody could have something go wrong. They could snap a leg, snap an ankle, uh, tear a hamstring. Uh, they also could uh, test positive for the flu and not recover. So what the players did was fascinating. They actually wanted to have a voice. Here's what Trevor Lawrence, by far the high, most high-profile, perhaps best player in college football, who does not need this season in order to be the number one pick overall and become a multimillionaire, never have to work another day in his life. It doesn't matter. He wants to play. He started hashtag we are united. Cut 27. We feel safer here than, than anywhere else, honestly. And, uh, when you go outside of these walls and you go get food, you go do anything, uh, you're, at, you're at just as much if not more risk. And he talks about, you want me to go back to my town? Am I going to get medical care if I test positive? Am I going to have social distancing with masks and, and spacing in indoor restaurants? No. Here you're in a controlled environment where you answer to each other and come together. Also, this is a lot of money. And it's not just about money, especially for players. They're getting an education. But for most, it's not uh, that's all they're getting. And that's roughly maybe 50000 a year for four years. But they're worth a lot more to the uh, to the big-time school. So, if you don't have the financing coming off the network deals and the fans, even though I don't think they're going to have that many fans this year because of the coronavirus, that means tennis doesn't get funded. The non-revenue sports like track and field doesn't get funded. Field hockey doesn't get funded. Gymnastic doesn't get funded. Perhaps soccer and wrestling don't get funded. That's what happens at the Alabamas. That's what happens at the Tennessees. That's what happens at Florida State. You get all that money, win or lose, the revenue comes in, home or away. You get the network money. You get the, the, um, the licensing fees and the jerseys. And it all helps to pay for the Rethi Athletic Program and build buildings and extend libraries. That's the ramifications. And the players are saying, if you don't want to play, you don't have to play. Keep your eligibility. But if you do want to play like all of us, play. So Booger McFarland, outstanding player in the, in the league and, and a pro analyst, cut 25. 
this is truly about taking care of the players, then we're not going to play because the presidents, the ADs, everyone has to say, what's the one way that we can pretty much guarantee, guarantee that we won't have a mass outbreak on a football team or we won't have these long-term effects right now? It's to not have anybody play football. It's from a liability standpoint. But if you're really going to do the right thing by these kids, if you're really going to do what's right, then I think they're either going to postpone it or cancel football. Absolutely wrong for everything I just told you about. The players get together. The, the virus is always going to be out there. If they're going to get hit by it at college, they're going to get hit by it in the locker room. They're going to be going to school in many cases, especially in the South. They're going full blast in with some precautions, of course. And uh, the temperature taking is going to take place. Nicole Arbach is a medical advisor. And she says this about college. Uh, she's also as a college basketball reporter for USA Today. And uh, she's a medical advisor, and, and the groups are telling, and she says this, the groups are telling college, college is not safe to play. Cut 26. Their medical advisory groups are telling them that it is not safe enough to continue with the testing and the protocols that are in place with travel without these athletes being in a bubble environment like the NBA or WNBA. So this is significant because it's just going to continue to put pressure on other leagues that have not yet made a decision about their fall football season. Uh, do you do that? And sports people commenting on politics is like them commenting on medicine. I'm telling you, in terms of the experts and the likability of them dealing with something that they can't overcome, testing positive, asymptomatic, like, for example, the Miami Marlins, 17 players, asymptomatic, they're the best team in baseball right now. And then you have the St. Louis Cardinals start play again in a couple of days, back to work. That's what the message you could send to the American people, if people would report it. Dr. Scott Atlas, senior fellow at the Hoover Institute, Cut 21. The environment of college sports and athletes is a very, very sophisticated environment. They have health care. They are very controlled. There's accountability. They, they couldn't get a better and safer environment, no matter what environment you're from. And of course, he mentions that a lot of us are not from uh, perfectly safe environments. But there's something else here. And this is, again, based on logic and common sense. We're talking about people who are physical specimens, who are really super young people. Young people that age, without a comorbidity, have virtually zero risk from this. We have to, again, become rational here. The risk for people that age is less than seasonal influenza. I mean, you have to really look at the data. And you, again, you can't say it's all about the science and then act contrary to science. He goes on. Let's listen. Cut to Of course, there has to be accommodation for those with comorbidities. And I'm sure there are some athletes that are diabetic or have other comorbidities. I'm sure there are some coaches that do. And the, the, we know how to safely uh, take care of those people. And of course, if people are afraid or if they are, have comorbidities and are afraid, I'm sure it's OK that they can opt out. But there's no reason to shut down out of fear here. Thank you. They got to play. Because if they can't get Division One to play, that means high school football is not going to play. And I think that fundamentally in sports, they teach you, well, the crowd's bad, the field's bad, the refs are against me, the bus broke down on the way to the game. Put it all behind you, find a way to win. You find a way to win. We have to, to coach God, to quote the governor of Nebraska, we have to find a way to, to live with the virus. You can't continue to shelve everything in your life. And if something happens where it spreads and, it, and, a, and the team keeps giving it back and forth to each other as opposed to everything we learned about it, you get an immunity after you get it. 
and the susceptibility is extremely low. And most people are getting it now. If you wear the mask and do the other things, they're finding that the mask helps you become asymptomatic or mild symptoms at, uh, at all. You have the regular testing. These big programs can afford it. You learn to live with it. And then once again, sports can be a positive example of living with the virus. Life is full of risk. They want to play. Let them play. And my goodness, the NCAA has been MIA. Where's the commissioner? Where's the voices of reason or logic? There are none. These conferences are making their own decisions. And finally, the players are demanding a voice. This is going to be the beginning of a players' union for college sports. And I'm not usually pro-union, but in this case, I think it is absolutely necessary. Let them play. Brian Kilmeade Show. Get this and all your favorite Fox News podcasts ad-free on Apple Podcasts with Fox News Podcasts Plus. Just go to foxnewspodcasts.com for all the details. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Brian Kilmeade Show on a big Tuesday. You saw what happened yesterday. The President of the United States about to hold his press conference on the coronavirus update, and he gets a little whisper in the ear. There's been a shooting outside the White House. It was own John Roberts reporting. They whisked him away, came back 10 minutes later, took some questions, and it was back in action. Uh, we'll talk about that, and as we welcome all of you to uh, uh, Live in New York and heard around this great country of ours, we'll be talking about what's happening in New York as the governor of, I can't believe this, the governor of New York is actually making the most sense in New York. When he's telling AOC, and he's, who says we have to tax billionaires, and he's telling the mayor, who when told how many people are leaving New York, he says, we don't need you, we'll get people to replace you. He's saying, slow down. 50% of all taxes are paid by those billionaires. That was 1%. If they leave, who's paying the other 50%? Can anybody do math in this state? Even a Democrat's been forced to do math and said we have to be a little nicer to not just rich, but this thing called successful people. Big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. We feel safer here than, than anywhere else, honestly. And uh, when you go outside of these walls and you go get food, you go do anything, uh, you're, at, you're at just as much if not more risk. Trevor Lawrence, best player in football, college football, wants to play football this year. He's starting a massive movement among players that want to play to push the conferences to play at least a conference schedule, using his fame to push the NCAA back to the table and allowing players to have a voice, seemingly about to call it quits or all the major conferences. Some teams are determined not to. LSU, Nebraska says that the Big Ten cancels. We'll go outside Nebraska and play outside the conference. We'll expect a decision today, maybe during our show. Number two. This was not an organized protest. Rather, this was an incident of pure criminality. This was an act of violence against our police officers and against our city. Yes, Superintendent David Brown, I've never seen it so bad. From Portland to Seattle to New York, major cities, seeing an extended sense of lawlessness like nothing we have witnessed in modern America as the inexplicable march to defund and disarm the police rages. And for the first major police resignation, it happened. An African-American woman who happens to be police chief of Seattle, home of the autonomous zone, which was a disaster. Federal agents still to blame in Portland, people? What about Chicago? What about Seattle? Number one. They're hurting people very badly. This would have been so easy for them to do. How many weeks have you been negotiating? Like four? They should do something. It would have been so much easier than doing it the way we did it. No kidding. 
Uh, the president gets the upper hand of the rescue bail bill bailout as his actions help the market and most importantly, people. But the bigger question is, will Dems get back to the table? We will talk about uh, the coronavirus fight and the new noise from Russia. Apparently, they have a vaccine. Any takers? Vladimir Putin's daughter evidently had 100 fever, got the vaccine, is back down to 98.6, but I believe in lower in Celsius. Um, let's bring in, uh, she just tried that, Mercedes uh, just dropped off. Quick thing, as we look at the lawlessness in this country, I was heartened to see a story in the New York Times today, and it's just about uh, not defunding the police. And they looked at what's going on right now, and this uh, black and Hispanic New York City council members, and I said, okay, here comes, they're going to trash the police and say they should be defunded. Instead, they say they that they are firing back at colleagues who support the movements to defund police. I'm thinking, what's here? They call the effort white-led an example of a political gentrification and colonization, a bourgeois liberal solution for addressing systematic racism. White progressives allied with Latino council members are gentrifying and racially mixed neighborhoods, and two black councils, uh, council members are calling for more aggressive, uh, aggressive police uh, uh, policing in their neighborhoods. They say a lot of people asking to defund the police don't even live in New York City where they actually need police. Thank goodness people are speaking up, but it's all Democrat. This whole city, all these cities are all Democratic-led cities. Let's bring in uh, Mercedes Schlapp. He, she's playing a key role in the uh, the Trump campaign again. Uh, worked with the White House for uh, for quite some time. And then she wanted to do this thing called have a day off once in a while. And I'm not too sure you're going to have a day off as senior advisor <laughs> to the Trump-Pence 2020 campaign. Mercedes, where are you today? Well, we're, we just uh, are through going through York, Pennsylvania in the big pink bus. Brian, you got to join us one day on the pink bus. It's, it has a big Women for Trump sign right on the outside. It's all wrapped up. And, you know, we just left actually a printing uh, and shipping company owned by uh, Jim and Jean. And they started the company 32 years ago. And thanks to President Trump's action on the Paycheck Protection Program, uh, they were able to keep afloat and uh, and keep their employees and keep the business running. So, it, it you know, it's proof that when the president says we got to solve these problems and make sure we take care of our of American and American workers that he does just that. So we're, we're continuing on today to a bunch of different stops here in Pennsylvania. All right. So they say if you look at the numbers, the biggest weakness in Trump 2020 as opposed to 2016 is suburban women. How exactly do you attack that? You know, I think one of the – it's been interesting. We've been stopping by these field offices, and, and definitely the men are – greatly outnumbered and one of the things that i that we when we talk to these women and we listen to their stories is that they are the ones on the front lines these volunteers who are able to talk to their friends and families and neighbors and talk to them about president trump's story talk about his record of success and also talk about the dangers of a joe biden presidency one that would be marked by weakness one where he would be controlled by the far left I mean, when you have a guy who's literally interviewing a candidate like Congresswoman Karen Bass, who herself has said that she has been influenced by the communists, it's, a, it's very problematic. So, you know, we're going to win based on the policies. We're going to win on the record. And we're going to win on issues like you were just talking about, protecting and defending our police, not defunding the police. 
and this craziness that's happening in these cities where you're seeing the looting happening uh, in Chicago, the riots happening in Portland, where Americans are watching this saying, we can't burn down our cities. We got to make sure that we build up our cities, keep our economy growing, and not allow for far less radical policies to seep into our nation. So what's interesting is also in Pennsylvania, where you're at, is Gettysburg. How do you feel about the president choosing that side to accept the nomination? Well, you know, I think that, you know, they're they're all still in conversations here, but I think it's an important message of unity. It's an important message of saying that we need to, uh, you know, come together as a country. And the president, you know, I think, like, they're obviously working out the details on what where the speech will be, but I think for the president— you know, we saw the great leadership under President Abraham Lincoln. We saw a time during that time where, and you know this as a, as a historian, you share these great stories, and I've seen you on the road do this, where, um, you know, the battles of America, and right now what we're battling for is for the soul of America. We need to make a decision in this country whether we're going to follow Joe Biden and the leftists, where they want to trans- fundamentally transform America. That's their own words. Or are we going to, as you're saying, like, do we stand by our flag? Do we ensure that uh, we take care of the American workers, the American families, make sure that China doesn't become this global threat that we're seeing? And really, the only one standing against that is President Trump. Well, it's kind of interesting because when the president picked Gettysburg as a possible site, along with the White House, a possible site, Jeremy Diamond, a reporter you had to deal with when you were at the White House from CNN, said this, cut 33. We've reported that President Trump is considering delivering his GOP nomination acceptance speech from the White House, but amid some criticism of that potential venue, the president is now floating another one. This time, he's talking about the hallowed Civil War battlefield in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. But that could be controversial, too, particularly because this is a president who has consistently positioned himself as a defender of Confederate symbols and monuments to Confederate generals. Pam? Yeah, that's a fair point to make. So it's Pam Brown thinks it's a fair point to make, and Jeremy Diamond thinks it's about the Confederacy. Should we let him know that Lincoln gave a speech there called the Gettysburg Address? And should we let him know how the Union did? <laughs> Great point, Brian. I mean, I think it's so predictable from CNN where their whole goal has been to paint this president as a racist. They've done it time and time again, year after year. And it's the most predictable narrative that we keep seeing from the far left media. And, you know, I agree with you. They don't know their history when you're talking about the fact that it was a President Lincoln who unified the country during a very, very difficult time. Uh, and uh, you're right, you know, with with the union winning and with the fact that he pushed forward uh, to ensure that slaves would be free. Uh, so if they could learn that bit of history, that might be helpful. The reality is the president stands for freedom of speech. The president wants to know that Americans, you know, this is a moment in time in history that we all have to come together as a nation. We can't keep seeing this chaos that we're seeing on the streets mm-hmm. that is being definitely flared up by the far left and by these Democrat policies that are saying that it's okay to disband the police. I mean, Brian, I mean, it's just, it it really creates, I think, a reality for Americans of how they want to see America in the future. And that's why I think when you look at Joe Biden basically being this empty vessel, this transition candidate, 
um, I think he runs into a lot of problems. I, uh, people talk about your ground game. Uh, it's really strong considering Biden doesn't have one, nor does he ever put his foot on the ground. He, he stays in his basement. His wife does more traveling, which is interesting, and he will not be going anywhere to give his speech. Meanwhile, Brian Stelter, that media whiz kid, weighed in on something that you'll have a hard time not laughing through, through your rage. Listen to his conclusion. Cut 34 about the media. When you see um, entire media companies essentially exist to tear down Joe Biden, is there an equivalent to that on the left tearing down Trump? Uh, there, there really isn't. Mercedes, your witness. <laughs> I just, I, I got to laugh, Brian. I mean, what is, what, they live in a bubble. Like, they live in this age of, of just pretending like they are not partisan. And, and he also used the word at one point of negative partisanship, that that's what the conservative media pushes. They, it, CNN is the ground zero when it comes to being the spokespeople for the DNC and the spokespe- and defending Joe Biden. And the, it's outrageous. They spend their whole time from the anchors to the chirons, everything anti-Trump. And they've done this since the president has been inaugurated, even before during the election, where they have made a decision that their goal is to take down this president. And they've done it through the Russian hoax. They did it through impeachment. Uh, Now they're doing it with coronavirus. And I just think that, you know, people tune out. They're tuning out to CNN because of the fact that they don't state the facts. It is one lie after the next. And even when there's a Trump spokesperson on, they don't even give them time to talk while they give these soft ball interviews the Democrats. And so it's just, and you know, and that's the one thing you got to give it to Fox. They put the Democrats on and they put the Republicans on and they're tough on both. And so it's really challenging to watch a, an outlet like CNN that calls themselves real news when they themselves are focused on the destruction of this president. So right now uh, I'd have outside one CBS tracking poll uh, they had the president up one in Ohio. I have not seen the president up in any of the battleground states, including the one you're in in Pennsylvania. Number one, is that similar to where you were last time at this time in August? And number two, are you somebody that looks at those polls and says, uh, yeah, they, they do show at least a trend? One of my dear friends told me one time, she goes, well, let me ask you a question. If they would call you from CNN, would you even answer their poll questions? And I thought, that's a good point. But, uh, you know, look, I think that it's similar to what we've seen in 2016, where you would see not by five, Hillary Clinton up by nine. You take, for example, the state of Michigan, where in 120 polls that they took, President Trump was up in only one. So, you know, here's the deal. Bill Steffing, our campaign manager, taught us that we're going to run like we're the underdogs. We're going to run like we're two points behind, meaning we got to work harder than anybody else. But I will tell you, I've worked on several presidential campaigns, and this is the most sophisticated ground game that I have seen in my lifetime. Uh, We're investing in the states we need to be investing in. We were just talking about, for example, in 2016 in Maine, we had nobody on the ground, maybe one person. Now we have field offices in place. We have staff on the ground. They are motivated. I mean, we were just in Maine a couple weeks ago with the Women for Trump bus tour. So so what you're finding is we've got the pieces in place. Uh, We've spent time registering voters, knocking on doors. We just knocked on doors this past week over one million doors while the Biden DNC operation knocked on zero. So I feel very strong about where we are. Um, Mm -hmm. But again, you know, when I think when it comes to polling, I think we're trending, we're going to be trending more in a positive direction. 
And, you know, I think it's right I, as our internal polls show, when, pre, when Biden is more defined, we see President Trump performing stronger. And mm-hmm. that's what we're going to keep doing on this campaign trail. I'm up against the clock, but prediction on who Joe Biden could name as soon as today is his running mate. You know, there's a I think we're in between, obviously, Susan Rice and Kamala. My guess is going to be Susan Rice. But I, I think that it doesn't really matter. This is putting a Band-Aid on a bigger issue which is that Joe Biden is too weak to lead. It's why the Democrats are relying so heavily on this vice presidential pick that, as you all know in political history, doesn't ever make a difference in helping the presidential candidate. He does when the majority of people think he will not finish his first term if elected. Uh, Mercedes, interesting time. You're on the ground in Pennsylvania trying to uh, take back or retain that battleground state. Uh, going to bat for women and the accomplishment of the Trump team in the first three and a half years. Mercedes Schlapp, thanks so much. Thank you, Brian. All right. She got a sitter today, one 408 When we come back, I'll be able to take your phone calls. And then at, in the half hour, you'll get to see what I look like on the Fox Business Network with Stuart Varney. Giving you everything you need to know. It's Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Here we go. Let's go out to the phones. 1-866-408-7669. Joe is on WABC in New York City. Hey, Joe. Hey, good morning. Uh, just regarding the uh, lawsuit that was uh, initiated by Letitia James, the yes. attorney general here in New York State, against the NRA, I mean, it's shamelessly political. It definitely right. sets a bad precedent uh, for lawsuits in the future, whether a Republican or Democrat, uh, but basically abusing and uh, prostituting uh, the judicial system for political means. You know, and again, you know, the same way that it's being done right now to people on the right and right-wing activists and conservatives, don't left-wingers think that the government could easily do the same thing to you? Because, again, there's, there are a number of policy positions on the left that people in power are opposed to, like, for instance, uh, the BDS movement, which has been so successful at actually addressing the uh, Israeli occupation of the West Bank and Gaza Strip. You know, again, in people in power, particularly neoconservatives, are dead set against BD- the BDS movement. And that's particularly uh, a movement that's gaining traction on our college campuses and Joe, among and, young liberals. And here's the laugh. Uh, these so-called Republicans who are against Trump, do they know what the alternative is? Do they understand that you might not like the, what he does, but his the framework of what he does, the policies he implements are conservative policies, despite his idiosyncrasies, his Twitter fights with uh, Scaramucci, which are totally unnecessary, uh, and the Lincoln Project. But all these people who are targeting Republicans and targeting Trump have to realize all that stuff becomes everyday occurrences now. And you have the chance to continue these policies with with all the— uh, the unorthodox way in which Trump governs. But if you could just give him a little bit of time without a major investigation, it'll you'll be shocked how much more traditional he would be and how much more he'd accomplish for the country. Ukraine, Mueller report, the Russia accusations, and now in the middle of this pandemic, which people immediately politicize. More from you, more of your calls in just a moment. Brian Kilmeade Show. 
from the Fox News Podcasts Network. Download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Right now, football, these young men want to go out and play. If they're doing an NFL level to get safe, safely out there on the field and do their thing, and this is, by the way, the group that's least um, uh, uh, at risk, they can get this thing done with And those who don't want to go out, they can opt, opt out and give them a choice of not losing the eligibility. So there are things they can do to get this done with. But the left is so concerned about keeping chaos in the picture, and they don't mind really who, who, who suffers in the process. I don't know if you could say the left when it comes to football, but I want the players to have a voice. I want the coaches to have a voice. UConn, they threw up their hands and said, oh, I can't do it. I, I've never seen anything like that, especially in football, Mr. Whatever, it, Mr. whatever it takes to get it done. And I love that the players spoke, speaking out and the best player in the game uh, started a hashtag, we want to play. And now they're before the conferences call it a season, they're saying, let us try. John, listening on KRMG in beautiful Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, they care about college football in a big way. John, what do you think should happen today? Well, I think they should play. You know, football is far more dangerous uh, without the coronavirus and has been for 150 years. The coronavirus can't deal any more of a blow to people's health. They say they want to shut it down because they were concerned about the health of the players. But for 150 years, they've never shut it down even though football is a dangerous sport and could cause brain damage, CTE, uh, all kinds of broken bones and collapsed lungs, but they don't cancel it. Uh, Listen, I think they should play. I think they should play too. Uh, Thanks so much. Adam, listen on WABC in Queens, New York. Adam. Hey, Brian, just want to say thank you for all the work you did. Sam Houston and the Alamo Avengers helped me get through the first half of – I guess a week and a half about a COVID in March because I burned through it, man. Great read, great write. So, Adam, I got to stop uh, you there for a second. I grew up on Long Island. You grew up in Queens. Did you grow up in Queens? No, I grew up in Manhattan but moved to Queens for 10 years now. What do we really know? I I dove into this since I got this job. Texas is such a big part of Fox, uh, and I got to know all about it. But what did we learn about Sam Houston in school? Nothing, right? Uh, <laughs> Nothing. Sam Houston is brushed over. Not only, I mean, just the the level of detail is uh, is important, and research like yours needs to be out there, and that won't be taught in school, right? Because it tells you that personal responsibility and accountability matters, and that's what kids forgot a long time ago because they're not taught it. Our schools are uh, really in shambles. But I just wanted to to say thank you, and that the Reagan Mondale race in '84 ended with Reagan winning 49 of 50 states. Businesses are leaving. Tax bases are leaving. Our idiot mayor in New York wants to say what the governor said. Oh, come have a drink. Go to Chinatown and eat food. There's no pandemic. We are the silent majority, Brian. We're with you. Keep your voice coming out of that bullhorn. You're helping all of us. Thank you so much. And we are going. The silent majority is going to come out in droves. Everybody, this is America. We're here together, white, black, Spanish. It doesn't matter. America first. Thank you, President Trump. Thank you, Brian. And just keep up the good work. No New York accent of Adam in Queens. Thanks so much, Adam. And I think it's also listening on WABC 770. But Adam also brings up a, a really good point in that our mayor and governor differ on this. Our mayor actually said, if you want to leave, go. We'll just get other people to replace you. 
You don't understand what's happening. He is totally out, uh, out of it. And you know what he does? While he is defunding the police and took a million dollars out of their budget, a billion, excuse me, he is building a bigger fence and demanding more security for his Gracie Mansion, where if you don't know around, around the country is where the mayor's home is. Gene, listening on KFTK in Union, Missouri. Gene. Good morning, Brian. What's on your mind? Uh, real quick, I just had a quick question for you to answer. Is is now that they're defunding the police or making it almost impossible for them to do their jobs, who do these mayors and governors and politicians and councilmen think they're coming after next? Once you get mob rule, there's no authority that's going to do anything for it. And speaking of Missouri, is it true that I believe, I'm not sure you would know this, but in Ferguson they tried to take the police station yesterday and they pushed it back. Another group trying to take a police station. They took the police union building in uh, in Portland, and they almost killed people in it because they lit it on fire while people on the inside. Gene, listen to WRCN on Long Island. Gene. Good morning, Brian. Live in the same hood as you, Massapequa. All right, Gene. What's on your mind? I think the Republican Party is making a mistake with uh, small businesses. For the larger Democratic cities who are not opening and have small businesses, similar to myself, um, that are limited on what we could do, why not have these Republican mid-level cities go after them and give them grant money, just like a good football player trying to go after a better player? You mean try to relocate them? Yeah. Well, that's true, but, I mean, if a guy like you who likes living in his community as a small business, say, okay, I'd like you to come over to Columbus, or I'd like you to come over to Austin, not Austin, but uh, Houston or Dallas. So you go do that, you have work. to upend just in order to get a sane, a, a sane politician running your local constituents. It's just a thought. All right, yeah, thanks. I appreciate it, Gene. Uh, I'll tell you right. Right now, nothing is worse than restaurants in New York City. They can't get indoor service, even though we have crushed it here. There's no, uh, there's almost no tests, positive tests, and there are no deaths. You still can't go inside to a restaurant. So forget about me as a patron. Think about the host. Think about the manager. Think about the owner. Think about the person who owns the business and pays the landlord. You can't do it. And you can, if you own a gym, pay your bills. So they're just basically saying, go belly up. It doesn't bother me. Dustin, listen on WHIO in Springfield, Ohio. Dustin. Hey, good morning. Hey, I've just been hearing these rumors around. You'll answer it. Um, if a president hasn't been elected by sometime in January, that the Speaker of House would take over. Is this true? And if so, is nobody worried about that? You mean if we don't have somebody inaugurated? Yeah, that, that would be the case. So they really don't have – they just make enough confusion to uh, prolong it long enough, and then Nancy would take over. Possibly, unless they lose the House, and they would turn it over to Kevin McCarthy. Uh, but I don't see that happening, uh, personally. My, my hope is that they win their battle in court because the Republicans are taking it, asking the Supreme Court to weigh in on this massive mail-in balloting. So if Dustin in Ohio wants a mail-in ballot, ask for it. There's a process. But if you flood everybody in Ohio with a ballot, that creates chaos that the post office can't handle, that the electoral system can't digest. David, listen on WVMT, Plattsburgh, New York. David. Hey, Brian. Love to hear you. 
Uh, Does President Trump, can he federalize National Guard people, declare martial law, and go in and clean up these cities? I don't think so. He's got the federal agents he could uh, utilize. I don't see a scenario where that happens. David, I think right now we have to just watch. You have to watch. And these mayors try to gain control while defunding and demoralizing the police. And then we'll give the American people a sense of how bad it will be if Joe Biden wins. Yeah. One other thing. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the Battle of Plattsburgh on September 11th, 1814, but uh, that was a fantastic battle. You need to look into it and write a book on it. Uh, the, uh, the naval commander and the army commander were super-duper heroes and uh, saved the Northeast from uh, British invasion. It's uh, uh, really great. It was the turning, really turning point of the War of 1812. It just doesn't get the uh, press that it deserves. So you might want to look into that for a, for a book, here, Brian. What do you guys have there to commemorate the battlefield? We ha- we have a, uh, a a museum dedicated to the uh, uh, the battle, and uh, but it's closed because of the COVID. Uh, we probably won't open up till uh, spring. But if you come up, I bet you we could open it up for you, so you could take a tour. I would. And, uh, I, I was focused huge. on 1814 with the Battle of New Orleans, but there was a Battle of uh, Plattsburgh, which I do not know enough about. But thank you so much for doing uh, for calling up and reminding me. Uh, I appreciate it, uh, David. Real quick, Sean, all this on WHIO. Hey, Sean. Uh, yes, sir. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, sir, there used to be this thing in, in America called accountability. When you did something illegal, you paid for those that behavior, no matter who you were. What happened to that? Have a good day, sir. Yeah, especially the governor of New York, who says, yeah, that chaos in in, uh, New York City, nothing to do with me. That mayor better get under control. Oh, we crushed the curve? That was my responsibility. 6,600 die in nursing homes? That's uh, a federal job. Oh, you can't get the lights on after a week after a storm? Well, I'm really going to do an investigation to find out how bad PSENG did in getting the lights on. It's the governor that doesn't take responsibility for anything bad. I never heard of that, but maybe I'll adopt it. Back in a moment, I'll be on with Stuart Varney, then more of your calls. Brian Kilmeade Show. You're with Brian Kilmeade. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Now, the Brian Kilmeade Show joins Fox Business's Varney and Company with Stuart Varney, live on your radio and on Fox Business. Here's Brian Kilmeade. Yeah, we're not quite ready to go there, but Stuart Varney's going to be coming to me in a second. We'll have a chance to put on Fox Business Network and find out what the studio looks like and what I look like today. If you're not watching on Fox Nation already, but we'll be on multiple platforms in a matter of moments. We do this once a week with the number one show on Fox Business, so it's going to be great. And we're going to be talking about sports as well as what's happening in Chicago uh, with the Attorney General. Uh, So we'll be talking about all that as we hope to have a college football season and we can push back on the trend, which is not to have one. Uh, and then afterwards, we'll squeeze in as many calls as possible. So stay in line, one eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. just completing the hour. So we'll do all that, uh, and we'll talk about the chaos. I don't know if you've known, for the last two days, there's been wild looting outside the sections of the gang warfare that has so many killed and injured in shootings taking place in Chicago. Uh, the richest places in Chicago were just ransacked. With the Dow up 300 points, we are now joined live on the radio by Brian Kilmeade, host of The Brian Kilmeade Show. All right, Brian, 
Welcome back to the show. Always good to see you. I want to talk about Chicago. I mean, I think that that, that city has been just about ruined by looting. I want you to listen to how Laurie Lightfoot responded to a question about this. Watch the tape, please. Don't, don't take it from me. Just go by what's been done. I'm just asking I, I don't, I don't you, want to do jobs for you, but just go by what's been done. There was, there were no consequences for okay, and, and the Craig, people arrested. Craig, let's be clear. I mean, don't bait us, okay? No, I, I'm this just, is, no, I, I was asked don't, to ask do this. Do not bait us. Don't, do not bait us. That was baiting. Well, look, she did follow up and said she expects prosecutors to take the cases seriously. Okay, I got that. But what do you make of it, Brian? With the police chief who came from Dallas, has a stellar yeah. reputation, is trying to get a hold of things, but can't get politicians to act on the best behalf of law and order. So that police chief was saying the looting wouldn't happen to the degree it happened or at all if you prosecuted the looters the last time this took place. And he blamed uh, the attorney general, uh, Fox, for doing it. So the mayor hops in and says, don't bait us. No, the police chief, superintendent, was giving an honest answer, Brown, about what the situation was and why they now have to look at footage, even though they had 400 cops there in order to make arrests uh, post-mortem. Meanwhile, this is the same attorney general that has dismissed 25,000 felony cases. So what is the sense among the criminals in Chicago? The sense is do whatever you want. Take whatever you want. They have insurance is the decree, or this is reparations for 1619. Oh. That's some of the indications from Black Lives Matter Chicago division. How will you ever get America's big cities to recover when you've got this kind of violence on the street, the ineptitude of the mayor of these big cities, and the, the virus still running rampant, and you can't get people back on public transportation? I mean, we're looking at... The, the near demise of America's great cities. And I think that's an absolute disgrace. And I just hope people look around and say there's law and order and, and there's things that can be done where people should stay in line and follow the rule of law or there'll be ramifications after. We've spent the last two years emptying out our prisons and then the last six to eight months emptying out those prisons because of coronavirus fears of spread within those penitentiaries. And now we have that emptying out in the streets along with people wondering what's going on here with these insurgencies that are organized. I'm not sure about the looting, Stuart, but a lot of these guys in Portland and Seattle and New York have earpieces, there's communications, there's weapons drop-offs. They're not trying to get racial justice. They're trying to destroy America. And these weak mayors and a silence from the Biden camp are saying, we yes, can't do exactly. anything. It really ought to be a presidential election issue, and it should be it that will way. Be. I just want to save time for this, Brian. Uh, we've got reports that the NFL will not play the national anthem before games this season. Is that a political move? They say it's because of the virus. Do you think it's political, though? Uh, it's George Floyd. The minute they came out and the commissioner came out and said, you know what, uh, I've been wrong. Everybody should take an Eli Kaepernick and said nobody should take an Eli Kaepernick. And then we're going to play what they assume uh, the black national anthem should be. Uh, they're in the middle of chaos. So them not playing the national anthem, well, I've got to get to week one, number one. And what they're trying to do is avoid it. What is crazy is that the league, 
gets a lot of money from the military. There's a natural synergy between it. They play there. They roll out the flag. Where are the players going to be? In the locker room? They're going to have to redo all the preambles. I mean, we always see the flyovers, and we see the flags, and we see the red, white, and blue. Now we're going to say goodbye to all of that? Are we embarrassed to be Americans all of a sudden? Extremely disappointing. What a mess. Brian, thank you, as always. See you again soon. Go get him, Stu. one 408 I didn't even know that. Is that true? They're not going to play the national anthem? I just hope they play a season, first off. And then we're still uh, debating on whether we're going to have a college football season. Greg, listening on KGWA in Oklahoma. Greg. Good morning, Brian. How are you doing today? Good. It's good to hear you. I listen to you and Sean and uh, Rush a lot, and uh, I, I appreciate everything that y'all's doing. Y'all keep us up on what's going on. Uh, what I want to call about, uh, my wife and I have been noticing a lot. Uh, we keep hearing about these uh, uh, polls that are going on, how Biden's ahead and everything like that. Both of us work in customer service. Uh, I actually am a, a clergyman, and so I interact with a lot of people outside of my state. She interacts with a lot of people inside the state. And uh, I'm sorry, the people we're talking to, and I, and I talk to people from both sides of the aisle, uh, I don't see that matching up with uh, what the polls are telling us. Uh, matter of fact, uh, most of the people that I talk to uh, are very happy with how Trump's doing things. They don't necessarily care for some of these uh, um, uh, more personal idiosyncrasies, but for what he's doing with the economy, what he's doing with uh, COVID and everything else, I'm getting a lot of positive feedback, so I'm not really sure where where they're getting these polls at. Well, I mean, you know, you're, up until January, most of the feedback was the pro, the negative feedback was personal, but they weren't uh, upset with his policies, and it was driving people, like, uh, the Hollywood crowd and the left wing crowd, kind of crazy that they say this unorthodox president is coasting to another four years, especially with 77-year-old Joe Biden standing in his way, or barely. But now, uh, after the polls dipped and they were not happy, most say his uh, favorability when it comes to coronavirus handling is under 40%, but it's coming up. The latest polls has him up in North Carolina by one. Georgia has Biden up by two, which is stunning. That won't hold. In Michigan by four, which is a lot less than the nine. Arizona, Trump is back up. So you're seeing a push by Trump through August leading up to the convention. I look to see if, depending on the selection, Biden will get a bit of a surge when he picks a number two, and then it'll be Trump's sprint uh, in the fall. He's got a legitimate shot to take four more. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. We are uh, straight up this hour. We're going to be joined by Jake Steinfeld. What is it like not having a gym be your sole source of income? Your life goes into it. Everything goes into it. And then finding out that your state, one of 18, says you can't open. Jake's going to weigh in on that. Well, he was at the forefront of this fitness boom in the 70s, 80s. And now he's got a brand new drink to help us stay healthy quickly and accurately, especially in a time in which I think the average person put on 30 pounds through the pandemic. And Ari Fleischer is going to be joining us shortly. Uh, so I don't want to waste any more time. Yesterday, kind of perilous. At around 5 o'clock, the president's about to give a speech and then told there was a shooting outside the White House. They moved him to the Oval Office and then moved back. president acted pretty cool under pressure. He also has another decision to make on where he should give his acceptance speech for this virtual uh, convention. 
It'll be the DNC first. We'll talk about that. We know that Joe Biden's going to be in his basement or somewhere in Delaware. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. We feel safer here than than anywhere else, honestly. uh, When you go outside of these walls and you go get food, you go do anything, uh, you're at at just as much, if not more, risk. Trevor Lawrence talking about the need to play college football. The best player in college football. He's probably the only one who doesn't need to play to be the number one pick overall. Says the players got to get together and let the NCAA know they matter. Seemingly about to call it quits, are they? Perhaps they'll rethink it if they know the players are on board. I hope so. Let's talk about it. Number two. This was not an organized protest. Rather, this was an incident of pure criminality. This was an act of violence against our police officers and against our city. I've never seen it so bad. From Portland to Seattle to New York, major cities seeing an extended sense of lawlessness like nothing we have witnessed in modern America as the inexplicable march to defund and disarm the police rages and the first major police chief resignation takes root. It happened in Seattle. Are federal agents still to blame in Portland, I asked sarcastically, in Chicago, in Seattle? Number one. They're hurting people very badly. This would have been so easy for them to do. How many weeks have you been negotiating? Like four? They should do something. It would have been so much easier than doing it the way we did it. And he did it through executive orders, and the market seemed to like it. The president gets the upper hand in the rescue bill bailout as his actions help the market and, most importantly, help some people. But the bigger question is, will it get the Dems back to the table? We'll talk about the coronavirus fight and the new noise from Russia that talks about them having a vaccine. Apparently they have one, and Vladimir Putin's daughter took it. She had 100 fever, and now she doesn't. Is that good enough for Ari Fleischer? Ari, if I told you the Russians came up with a vaccine and Vladimir Putin's daughter took it and no longer has a fever, would you give it to your family? Sign me up. Absolutely. <laughs> the Russian health system. That's, that's what we want. What, couldn't, what could go wrong? <laughs> exactly. Well, the mar- why did the market like it so much? I don't know that the market like what happened in Russia. I think the market just <laughs> is looking at some fundamentals as people come back to work. And, and they also realize something that CNN won't cover. The number of new cases has dropped below 50,000 again. It's gone down since it peaked on July 17th. You know what? Uh, bad on me. I knew that, and I have not said that yet today. In Texas, it's going down. In Florida, it's going down. In Arizona, it's going down. There's some concern in the Midwest. Why it's going down. Yeah. Now, let me ask you something. Do you believe I saw the governor of Nebraska came out and said, listen, told Neil on Saturday, we got to get used to living with this. We got to stop running from this. What I wish is that President Trump would give a big picture speech, giving America the direction we're going. We need to learn to live with this. What happens if there's no vaccine for a year, two years, three years, four years? How long are we going to keep shutting America down one event at a time until we realize we have irreparably hurt too many people, particularly low-income people and minorities, who are the ones whose jobs are taken away first? And the big thing... The president needs to lead and give us that direction of hope with realism, but let us know we can live with both. So how do you deal with this, Ari? Because they say when the president speaks about it, well, leave it to the doctors and scientists. Joe Biden, mask and all, is going to leave it to the doctors and scientists. But yet you still say that he should give the address of optimism, uh, live with it. Realism. Because our country has to live with both. Look, we have always as a nation lived with multiple threats. Nothing has stopped us in the past. Why would this stop us? You know, this is not the bubonic plague. This is not a 50% mortality rate. 
this is a very low mortality rate, and for the people who do just get the illness without without the death, they're increasingly having shorter durations, less severe because of the medicines that have been brought onto line. We know how to live with disease. We've done it throughout the ages. We can do it here too if we don't succumb to the panic that people want to portray and make people just cave, shut down schools, shut down sports, shut down industries, never get in the elevator. We know how to do two things at once in this country. And that's the inspiring speech the president should give. It should be marked by the realism that this is still serious. You need to wear a mask. You need to wash your hands. You need to practice social distancing. But we have to take every precaution as we reopen the economy and never, ever shut America down. But as you know, and the president willingly did this, he said, this is what I think you should do. But it's ultimately up to you, states, cities, counties. So when you do that, it's empowering to governors, frustrating to some. But it's also showing that the president can be a cheerleader and an influence, but not the deal maker. Correct. Well, that's that's right. I mean, the federal government's role here is is to set a pattern to help people to see the big picture, but then allow the flexibility. Because obviously, if a school district is inundated in COVID, they should not open. But if there's a very low prevalence or even just a moderate prevalence, they can probably safely open, depending on how many students they have, their physical location, etc. Those should not be federal decisions. Those should be state and local decisions. So a couple of things, as we switch to law and order, we could not have predicted in January the pandemic would be the number one issue. The economic collapse would follow the civil unrest, a surprise for me, a surprise. And it wasn't because people were upset they lost their jobs. It was a racial incident, George Floyd, and then it became bigger. And the Antifa presence that we don't hear enough about is huge because I don't remember Martin Luther King Jr.'s civil rights movement taking over by a uh, by an undercurrent force. I remember that being the issue. We can't get a hold of the race issue when there's others there clearly out to just de- uh, destroy America. Correct? Absolutely. And, you know, the coverage of this sickens me every time you turn on the TV um, for most stations. And, and what you see is mostly peaceful protesters. And they show a little bit of arson, a little bit of destruction, a little bit of rioting, and they just kind of poo-poo it. Well, these are the same stations that every time an airplane lands, they don't cover that. But, boy, do they cover when there's an airplane crash. So the same thing here. The peaceful protesters, God bless them, they're doing what they should do, and we should all remember what happened to George Floyd. He was murdered. And we need to be cognizant of it and remember it. Honor the protesters. Honor George Floyd. But separate that from people who loot, are violent, who riot, who attack the police, who break into stores. This is where the coverage should be. This is where the condemnation should be, and it should be full-throated. And, Brian, I'm I'm just going to tell you, the single person most responsible for the nationwide violence is the mayor of Minneapolis. As soon as he allowed the third precinct to be sacked, he withdrew the police from the third precinct, let the protesters and the rioters take it over, burn it and loot it. He sent a signal nationwide that you can do what you want to do in the middle of the streets and law authorities will pull back. If you pull back, Antifa will move forward. And what do we see? The next day or the next week, they tried to take the Brooklyn precinct in New York. And then we see what happened in Seattle, the autonomous zone, let them be, let's yeah. defuse the situation. And they marched <laughs> out of their own, they marched out of their own precinct. Yeah. 
And then we saw the Union building firebombed yesterday. We see the video from inside. People could have died. And they tried to take back the Ferguson police station last night. Thankfully, they were repelled. But I want to bring you to something that gives me hope. Mm. The black and Hispanic New York City council members are standing up and saying that the fund the police movement is being pushed by people who don't even live here. In fact, they went on to say that it's a white-led, bourgeoisie, liberal solution for addressing systematic racism. And a councilwoman, this Diana Ayala, says, yeah, there's been a big defund the police. She has received thousands of emails in favor of it. But most of those emails have come from outside the city, not from the areas that need the law enforcement. No surprise there, is there? Uh, You know, if ever there was a moment, Brian, for Republicans and President Trump to go into neighborhoods, to go into cities that have been long governed by Democrats with no Republican presence and make the case that you've been led astray, you've been abandoned, you live in a crime-ridden neighborhood with bad schools, we're the ones who can help you. Put your hope, put your trust, put your faith in someone new for a change. This is that moment. And Republicans really can and should do better. These are our fellow citizens who have been hurt and been hurting for decades. Why does it have to always be this way? It doesn't. It doesn't. It's a moment of change in our society in many ways, but it's a real moment for Republicans to step in and help people that we don't usually do very well with as Republicans. Uh, I would say give it a shot. And you know how far it would go to say I'm trying for your vote? Oh, you guys don't want me. There's protests outside the building, and people are upset. The mayor, Lightfoot, will be upset that the president's going to Chicago. That'll be fine, and the governor won't be happy, and that's going to be great. But he gets the security in there. He gets people there that maybe didn't vote for him that will speak their mind but act civilly, and they have something that's going to be progress, not a show. And then they said, okay, that went pretty good in Chicago. And then we tried in Minneapolis, and then we tried in New York City. And then we move on. And then little by little, you'll say, well, you know, he came and he took the fire and then he kept. I mean, my goodness, we watched the president take the fire every day with the press. We saw it Saturday. We saw it yesterday. I don't think he minds hard questions and, and angry, disdainful questions. And I think that you'll go in there with enough people, uh, the Ben Carsons of the world, the Daryl Scotts, that will make this productive. I thought Steve Bannon had a great suggestion for me. He said in June, he said, I wouldn't, if I was the president, I wouldn't have a listening session. I would have a commission. And I'd put people on that commission that necessarily didn't vote for him. And I'd say, get back to me by September 15th on different things that we could do to make things more balanced in our society. That's what we need, results-oriented meetings. Yeah. The other thing I wish he would do, and I think it's too late, but when he declares, for, gets renominated at this virtual convention, I wish he would do it from Detroit or do it from a city where African-American unemployment hit its lowest point ever and say that's what this is about. It's about bringing that back, going back to where we were before the pandemic hit because this is how you improve people's lives. It's such a great record he has, and it should be mar- married to events and visuals that drive it home so people appreciate what he's done. I hear you. Um, I'm very curious. Who do you think is going to emerge as the number two today or tomorrow for Joe Biden? Oh, gosh, I want to try to guess. You you know, I kind of wonder if there's something in everybody's background that's made them stumble and wait this long because he's way behind schedule now. Um, And this one matters, Brian. I heard somebody say that the vice presidential selection for Joe Biden is going to be naming his living will. Uh, you know, Biden will be older on his first day if he wins than Ronald Reagan was on his last. And who 
whoever is the vice president, not only will they have the head start for running the reelect, because I'm sure Biden won't run for reelection if he wins, but there's a real chance we're talking about who the replacement for Joe Biden could be. And so this one matters. Mostly vice presidential selections don't matter. This one's real. I agree. And the Rasmussen polls say 59 percent of Democrats don't expect him to finish his first term, which I yeah. found amazing. Uh, and it's a phone poll. Take it for what it is. But that if you did that for any other candidate in modern time, there wouldn't be one of them, including Nixon in 1972, that thought he wasn't going to finish that term. So yeah. I want to bring it to another topic before I let you go. And that is the anti-Trump people and the ones that worked for him and didn't, you know, that Lincoln movement, the Lincoln Project and on. Fred Flight's joined me. He used to work with John Bolton for years, a guy you know. And he was saying all along that Bolton's book's not going to be bad. John Bolton knows that a Joe Biden-run country uh, would be more problematic than the worst day that Joe, that Donald Trump had. And we know that's not the case. Here's what Fred, Fred Flight said yesterday. Uh, John was a friend for a long time. I, I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed because I, I think the things John is doing now – seem to be intended to defeat the president in the election. And I wish he would think to himself, does he really want Joe Biden and Susan Rice to be running the country? I, I, I mean, I, I just don't understand why he's doing these things. I wish he would uh, rethink them and at least stay silent because he's doing a lot of damage. Well, you know a lot of people that can't get on board the Trump train and that, that maybe campaign against him. Do you know why, if they are truly Republicans— you know, I didn't vote for the president in 2016, as you know, Brian. I, I didn't vote at all on the presidential ballot. And I've come around. I mean, I, I, as offensive as the president can sometimes be, as too tough as he can sometimes be and rude, on policy, I am very impressed with the things he's done, particularly on international policy. He's right when he talks about how he's gotten NATO to finally pony up more money and defend themselves. He's right about his tough stance on China, which Biden will reverse. He's right about Israel and the things he's done for our best ally in the world. So I, I think there's a lot of good things that Donald Trump has done in addition on the domestic side. So you know, I just think there are some who look at the president personally and say, I don't like his style. I don't like his character. He's bad for America. So I'll take terrible policies in their place. I just don't agree with that. I think sometimes you just have to say he's like LBJ. He's rude. He's truculent. He's a bull in a china shop. And everywhere he goes, he brings another china shop with him. But boy, his policies have been good. And I think that's a bigger, more important, last, more long-lasting picture. And the alternative isn't 1960 JFK, who wants to cut your taxes and empower the people to do more for their country. The alternative is somebody that's really going to turn this country upside down. And if you don't believe Joe Biden will do it, look at who's around him and who's going to be speaking. No Ari, Yeah, can't thank you enough, Ari. Always enjoy your insights. Thank you, Brian. Great to be with you. All right. Ari Fleischer uh, joining us from New York. Back in a moment. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. Did you hear about the businessman who has commissioned a COVID-19 mask that costs, this is true, $1.5 million? Look at that. The mask is made of 18-carat white gold and has over 3,000 diamonds on it, which proves it's not just people who refuse to wear masks. 
that are idiots. The guy who bought that for $1.5 million is the only guy who's hoping the pandemic lasts longer. <laughs> like, if they come out with a vaccine tomorrow, the guy's gonna be like, oh, I just... I just spent 1.5 million on a mask. Although, I tell you what, though, wearing a diamond-covered mask, it will be a good conversation starter. That conversation would start with, hand over all your money and that mask. <laughs> Uh, it's funny. I guess it's a little bit of a laugh track because he's in the studio with that one. It is exactly what it is. He um, he has like four buttons that he can control the laughter or the oohs and the boos. So oh, he really? Had he control- controls it? Yes. Oh, that's fantastic. So he had fun with that, except it didn't really work for radio, seeing him push buttons. <laughs> you, I'm glad you told me, though. You're welcome. Uh, Lawrence is in Orlando. Uh, listen on WDBO. Hey, Lawrence. Hey, how's it going, Brian? Thanks for having my, taking my call. No problem. Regarding the NFL and the and the national anthem. What I've heard from, you know, different players and you know personnel is what the national anthem does by getting rid of it before the game takes away from any type of internal unsettling that, that may come in the locker room with some standing and some not. You know, the first question is going to be after the game, hey, what do you think of so-and-so not standing? So I think it's a great move by the NFL uh, for the players. And to teams. diffuse it for now, right? Correct. Uh, I know, but I, you know, there is a lot of pop and circumstances in red, white, and blue with these football games, almost all the ones that I've been through. I hope they don't stop that. But that's the situation we're in right now. Very level-headed take on that. I appreciate it, Lawrence. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. This attacks older people very viciously, by the way. It can be if it's uh, the wrong person. But, you know, these football players are very young, strong people. And uh, physically, I mean, they're physically in extraordinary shape. So they're not going to have a problem. You're not going to see people, you know, could there be, could it happen? But I doubt it. You're not going to see people dying. That's the President of the United States saying, play college football. You know, they're going to play the NFL, play college football. There's also the story of the national anthem will not be played. They're blaming the coronavirus. Uh, said police will not on honor guards won't be there on the sideline to lessen the number of people on the sideline. And we all know DACA, a major, uh, a major political issue. With me right now to make sense of all this is Bob Glauber, NFL columnist for New York Newsday, president of Pro, Fo- uh, Pro Football Writers of America, and author of Guts and uh, Guts and Genius. Uh, Bob, welcome back. Hey, Brian, how are you? It seems like yesterday when we were hanging out at Jets camp watching probably Boomer Esiason or Neil O'Donnell, right? Uh, probably. Uh, Joe Walton's hat on backwards is what I remember the first time I was uh, actually at Jet camp. Actually, he had turned it around when he became head coach. But, Bob, you, you, the players all knew you. They wanted just to walk past me or through me. I had that sports phone, that sports phone microphone. Didn't get a lot of respect back then. <laughs> Yeah, times have changed, though, Brian. You're all good. Yeah, but now I'm not doing much sports. But, Bob, I know you usually do the pros, but college matters so much. I don't understand why, with the NFL playing, the the Division I wouldn't have used that as cover to get started. And now the players are weighing in. I find this heartening. What about you? Well, I think it's. I think you're seeing players weigh in. They want to play. I think you're probably seeing other players who are probably relieved, maybe privately, that they don't have to play because, you know, there there are 
risky situations with this. Now, the, the difference with colleges compared to the NFL, now this was a collectively bargained situation with the NFL where the players are represented by a union yep. and, they re- and they talk to the management. So they work out this elaborate, very, very involved testing procedure and protocols. So everything is down pat for the entire league, 32 teams, individual bubbles for the, you know, for, for practice and then they play. But it's just, it's different for colleges. You know, it can vary from one college to another. There's no organized systematic uh, approach to it. So that's, I think that's where you're running into some issues that is kind of complicating the whole situation. So I want you to hear what Trevor Lawrence says. I think you'll agree with me. He'll be the first pick taken overall, whether they play or not. And he has rallied other players and major programs to play. And he said, if you don't want to play, keep your eligibility. No one's going to force you. But if you do, do it. I want the opportunity. They weren't even going to go to the players to ask, and it might indeed be too late. Cut 27. We feel safer here than, than anywhere else, honestly. And, uh, when you go outside of these walls and you go get food, you go do anything, uh, you're, at, you're at just as much if not more risk. And he goes on to say, if I go to our communities, we're not even going to have health care. So at least now I know I'm going to be covered. I'm going to be in a disciplined environment. We're going to know what we can and can't do. And we also know when Louisville has 27 players test positive, same thing's going to happen with Louisville as happened with the Marlins. They're going to mm-hmm. wait nine days, and they're going to play again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but you're dealing now you're dealing with amateur athletes. They're not getting paid. Um, what is the price that they're paying for it? So I, I, I think it's a little different. And, you know, the Marlins, there's a professional baseball players, and, you know, they've got a collective bargaining agreement. They're represented. So it's complicated, Brian, and it's really, uh, you know, you can, you can see both sides. I know the kids want to play. A lot of the kids want to play. Maybe most of the kids want to play. Um, but but you shouldn't know, you that matter, Bob? Kind of, shouldn't that matter? Well, it, sure, it ma- sure, it should matter. Um, but you know we've we've seen college players over time, over decades, um, not have the power and be ruled over by the NCAA uh, from everything to this situation to whether you can make money as a, as an amateur. You know you can make money as a child actor, uh, starting at five years old. If you're, if you're good enough, you're on Broadway. You're making money. But pro, you know, at college athletes they can't make the money until they get to to the pros when they're 21, 22 years old. So. I, I, listen, it's there are layers to this, Brian, and it's there, there's just no easy answer. And you know, with this, especially with the community spread in so many places now, it's different than it was, say, when it started in New York and New Jersey, and then you know the, there were problems there. Those states kind of turned it around, and now it's you know you're seeing other states but, struggle with it. So, but Bobby, you know, and I have some kids. You bring up a good point. It's not there's nothing you said that doesn't have merit. Uh, but I will say this. You look at the MLS just pulled off an eight-week tournament, zero cases. You have uh, NBA, zero cases in a bubble. bubble. Now, true, but if you practice in one facility and then you're going to an empty stadium to play another team and then you you test them before, you're kind of in a bubble and you're only playing eight games, six, eight games over the course of 10, 12 weeks. So to me, the upside of playing, auditioning, getting that year in of competition, the network contracts that support other sports that will allow gymnastics, tennis, uh, field hockey to be financed, I think that and knowing that the players are not forced to, they're just you know asked whether they want to. 
They'll keep their eligibility. I think this is a time in which life is full of risks. The coronavirus is not going anywhere. Go do it. Well, the one thing that you were talking about, okay, the players, they go to their practice. They're, you know, they, go, they play in an empty stadium. Uh, they get tested before the game. That's all true. Well, let me ask you this. Where do they go after practice? Where do they go after the games? They go back in their communities. They go back to the dorm. They go back to their off-campus off house. They go back into, you know, quote-unquote, a riskier environment where there is, in, in many cases around the country, community spread. So I think that's the difference. And, you know, the, the NFL is counting on the players policing themselves, not going out to bars. There are actually penalties in the CBA, new CBA, for going out to a bar with more than 25 patrons. I mean, there are specific exactly. examples where you, you, know, you have to modify the behavior. And you can but do that college, on college, you and you can, go to, you, can go to, you can go to sports cafeterias, and there's sports dormitories, and a lot of these kids are living on campus anyway. Right. So you want them just to take the eye black off and go to school. And I'm saying, let them do both. You can you can do it, and it, you know I think some teams will do it. I think you know it looks like the SEC is is going to be a go. Um, you think, think so? I, I I do think so. I think you're going to see some leagues play. I think you're going to see many many more not play. But I I don't know. I I just unless this this thing just the momentum of this thing just sweeps over every college and people get nervous. You know, there's there's the lawsuit potential there that I think we've seen cited uh, with some president, some uh, college presidents making this decision not to play. So there's liability issues going on, you know, galore. So I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's entirely over just yet. Um, I, but again, I do see, I do see right. a lot of leagues postponing it until at least the spring, if not next year. I'm excited you know, the players fall. have, I think you'll agree with me on this. I'm excited the players have a voice. I'm excited that the yeah. most high-profile player, the you know, as big as Peyton Manning was, I think Trevor Lawrence is the same way in college. I think that they're going out, well, wait a second, you haven't even asked me. So they went ahead and did it through social media. They contacted some of the other high-profile players, um, and they said, okay, wait a second, we need to weigh in here. And they got Justin Field of Ohio State also on this, and Najee Harris of Alabama, and they did hashtag, uh, we are united. And they said, we want to play. And I think this is highlighting something else. This is a multi-billion-dollar industry, and I understand that getting an education and the players' union effort blew up a few years ago. This actually might take root now, don't yep. you think? I, hey, Brian, I'm all for player entitlement and not not entitled players, but you know, entitled to um, the benefits of. What I mean, they're making billions of dollars for their colleges, and they're not getting money. They're getting free education, and that's not something to you know to laugh at or, or minimize. That's that's great, but they are not making money off of what they are providing entertainment entertainment wise for for right. fans and for television networks and and the like. So yeah, I'm, I'm I'm all for that. Players should have a voice in everything that's going on, and I think you're seeing more of it. You're you're absolutely seeing more of it. And Trevor Lawrence is the latest kind of incarnation of that um, on, a, on a really difficult, complicated subject. And it's, it's so amazing that the conferences are deciding amongst themselves. There's no NCAA president asserting himself, meeting with the press, talking about the pluses and minuses, where I know exactly where to go to the NFL if I want to find out yeah. what's happening. I know exactly where to go in baseball. I know exactly where to go in the NBA. I don't know where to go in college, and that's been underlined. So we'll find out. It's going to be a big day because I have to – if I'm an NFL uh, GM – I got to draft off this. 
I got to yeah. now look at 2018 know, or 19 yep. tape. Are you kidding? Yep. Yep. It's complicated. And, you know, you look at the Jamal Adams trade, you know, when they, tra- they traded him to the Jets, uh, to the to the Seahawks. So the Jets are now in a position where they might not have a college football season to look at. And they got a they got two first round draft picks wow. next year. What, what are they looking at? It's really a complicated thing for NFL, NFL GMs right now in yeah. terms of how this is going to look next year. Yeah, he broke a lot of tackles in Pop Warner. I think he's worth the risk. Uh, <laughs> Bob Glauber, uh, he's the best in the business when it comes to, to football and the NFL in particular as it, as it leads to this breaking news today that last question is the NFL not going to do the national anthem. They said coronavirus, your reaction? Well, it's kind of convenient, but I look, I get it. I mean, they're, listen, the protocols, Brian, are intense. You know, the protocols for the media, we can watch practice. we got to be socially distanced in a mask far away from the players. We cannot get near the players on game day. Um, we we got to be socially distanced, you know, in mostly empty stadiums. So I I understand. And, you know, it, it's, it's going to rattle a lot of people and it's going to anger a lot of people. But they are having so few people on the sidelines and on the field of play to protect the players. And that is that is a collectively bargained thing. So... Um, you know, we'll see where that goes. I know it's a, it's a hot-button issue for sure. Bob Glaber, thanks so much. You got it, Brian. When we come back, uh, health clubs are closed. Uh, you can't afford a Peloton. What are you supposed to do? Uh, Jake Steinfeld joins us about what's happening to the business, the industry, and your fitness. The average person put on over 20 pounds through this pandemic. He's also got a brand-new drink, which is flat-out phenomenal. It's great for you, tastes great. Now in all the stores, uh, Mr. Fitness himself, Body by Jake, next. Challenging conventional thought and wisdom. You're with Brian Kilmeade. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Many people who look at gyms the way Cuomo does, looks at it as maybe a dirty place where a bunch of meatheads go and work out. That certainly may have been true 30 years ago, but the fitness industry has come a long way. We have a duty of care to our clients and patients, a standard of care that we must follow. You know, gyms have been being cleaned beyond the protocols that the governor has put forth way before these protocols. We've been cleaning in restaurants, bars, and every other place since the beginning of time. That's just the way the gyms operate. We have to. That is Charles DeFrancisco. One of the many gym owners have been told, just go jump in a lake. You can't open in New Jersey, New York, uh, ev- everywhere, as well as maybe 18 other states. A man who knows this business better than anybody else really launched it. Jake Steinfeld, Body by Jake, you know him as. Uh, he's chairman of the National Foundation for Governors Fitness Councils. He's also got a brand new drink out, guaranteed to make you healthier. It's fantastic. Uh, it's called Don't Quit. And I want to learn more about that. But, Jake, you must be hearing this constantly. With people who don't have their own gym, they they put on an average of 20 to 35 pounds through the pandemic and these gym owners just dying on the vine first of all bry it's great to be here and as always man it's uh, uh it's a pleasure how you sort of say it like it is man and it was nice to hear charlie i don't know him but i could hear in his voice the the struggle and strain that he's having but uh think about um, all the folks that can't go to a gym, uh, you just said it. I mean, I have been fielding uh, not just phone calls, emails, texts, and social media um, from small gym owners, from people who have small studios. I live in Los Angeles. Same thing like in New York. Things are closed down. Um, I agree with Charlie. I mean, you know, listen, people understand there are protocols today. Uh, I think that if everyone follows those protocols, let people train, man. I mean, 
the, the thing about especially people over the age of 50 years old, think about this for a minute, right? We need to be healthy. So it's about washing your hands and all that good stuff, but you have to get your body moving. And if you're getting your body moving, you stay healthy. And uh, it was fun being with you yesterday on Fox and Friends. I've got to tell you something, man. I don't have to tell you or your audience because they all listen. It's amazing the power that that you have. You mentioned don't quit. We'll talk about that in a bit. It's uh, my new daily complete nutrition shakes that uh, clean label, all natural. But I, I heard from somebody yesterday, interesting, and said, yeah, I put, we use Purell for the outside of our bodies to keep them clean. But, Jake, don't quit for the inside of our bodies now. We want to be healthy. Well, my main thing is for my odd schedule is I get up at 2.30. I'm not hungry. And by the time it's like 8, I'm like famished. So I'm always looking for – and I have no time because I go from here. I got six minutes in between, and I fired all my staff. I have a huge staff, 50 people. <laughs> I got rid of all of them. Yes, you sure right, do. Right. And my chef. Your own shower. And my chef. Uh, so I'm always grabbing drinks. I always get the meal replacement sh- powder, and I'll just grab some water, and I'll take it from the water fountain, not the water fountain, but the water cooler, and I'll put it in. You mail me your shakes. You've been working on for two and a half years, these don't quit shakes, and I have it in the morning. It keeps me going till noon and because well, I want to eat good, but I, I also I can't be famished. I love that you're saying that. And first of all, you, you, you know, your viewers are passionate people. They're, uh, you know, uh, focused, magnificent. Uh, we want to keep them healthy and keep you healthy. And listen, I've been in this industry, as you know, as the first guy to do personal fitness training some 40 years ago. Uh, and I've always been about keeping your body fit. But listen, I, I've got a sweet tooth. I, I, I train, uh, you, you know, so I could eat. And uh, I've always wanted to find good products that don't cost a lot of money, that are healthy for you. There's so much stuff out there, Bri, so much stuff out there. It becomes white light to people. We've created a shake line, a nutrition shake line called Don't Quit, a clean label clean label, 26 vitamins and minerals. We have original flavors, chocolate, vanilla, chai tea, and orangeicle. Think about creamsicles, man. It's, it's, It's delicious. I have a sweet tooth. You talked about wanting to, you know, you're running fast. There's a lot of people who right now who aren't running at all. Who are at home, too much, too much of the bad stuff. This is great food for you. I don't want you to don't use have the to name. The supplements. Right. There are 26 vitamins and minerals in there, and it's really great for you. But if you go to the hospital, they give you the same drink all the time, and it's terrible. And that's well, part of the reason why you launched it. People tell you, drink this, drink this, drink this, because you need nutrients, and you're about to go in, and you don't want to eat. And I used to think to myself, let me try this. It's terrible. And that's what spawned this idea for you, right? In the last that's minute, exactly Jim. right. This category is called adult nutrition, man. And if you think about it, man, all the products that are out there now, chemical based, chemical based. We have some great testimonials. Go to don'tquit.com, read them. Where you talk about these docs now are saying we have a clean label. They've been desperately waiting for this, man. Where patients only had an an option to to drink these chemically filled drinks that cause inflammation digestive problems, allergic reactions, not don't quit. When it's clean, and by the way, our product tastes delicious. I was on the show yesterday with you, and we got a a text in from a rabbi saying, I (laughs) I actually saw you on Fox and Friends, Jake, and I love the fact that it's kosher. (laughs) 
That's cool. Jake Seinfeld, you can get it everywhere. Don't quit. At Body by Jake to find out more. Jake, thanks so much. Congratulations on the drink. Thank you, buddy. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.